And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. There's no need for a long, convoluted intro. Not a today's show, because I want to make sure that we are going to have enough time to talk about all the things that have not only gone wrong this season for the Kansas City Chiefs, but particularly against the Tennessee Titans on Sunday when the Chiefs got, well, blown out by what appears to be a significantly better team in many, many aspects. And so it's a dark time here on Times Ours, but I can tell you that this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. They even help you find something else to watch in, I don't know, late January, whenever your weekends are maybe a little more open than you were originally planning for. That's not in the copy. That was editorializing. I'm Joshua Briscoe here with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser. Got all of us together hoping that for us, all three phases of the show can can actually produce better results than the, than the Chiefs were able to yesterday. It's uh, it's one of those rare games, and I want to make it clear, this is this is a rarity. But it's late in the fourth quarter. The game has clearly been decided. And I, I need to uh, get ready to go down to do the post-game news conferences. Uh, there was a coach employed by Clark Hunt and Andy Reid. I'm not going to name who this individual was. But we had a nice, quick conversation. And basically, this coach said to me, This is probably the third time in my coaching career where everything went wrong for us and everything went right for them. And that's and and that's and that's kind of how the day was, ladies and gentlemen. Just a complete dismantling of a team that is what I officially will deem as broken now. Mm. They're a broken team. You know, it's interesting. We last week, heading into the Washington game, we were like, you know, it's okay to start panicking, but if they lose to Washington, then it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's time to start burning down buildings, et cetera, you know, destroy everything on your way out of town. Um, and then they won that game. We were like, well, maybe the, that second half where they look just so much better than Washington, who's not a good team. We thought oh, maybe that's them. At a certain point, what you do becomes who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's just the prosecutor in me talking. Um, man, yeah, I'm going to get serious here. The number of child protection cases that I prosecute. This is how you know it's bad because Seth decides three minutes into the podcast that he's going to say the phrase, the number of child protection cases that I prosecute. That's how, that's the tone of this entire episode today. I can feel <laughs> it. Go ahead. And, and obviously, this isn't like real life serious stuff like that. But the number of people that I run into who want to be defined by what they say rather than what they do is astonishing. It is a 
it, it's it's a high number of people. Um, and I feel like eventually what you do becomes who you are. And so that kind of applies to a lot of things with the Chiefs. Are they a talented team just kind of waiting to pull it together? Or are they a team that has, by and large, been pretty bad all year? You know, and as far as, you know, giving up pick, or, you know, pick, giving up picks, giving up fumbles, turning the ball over time. At a certain point, you are who you, you are what you do. Um, yeah, I was, that was the advice I was given once. I'm going to, I'm going to quote my dad twice during this podcast, because I'm going to do it a second time later on when we talk about the piece I wrote today. But my, my dad once told me, and I think he was quoting C.S. Lewis or someone, that everyone becomes the thing that they do. You know, if you lie all the time, eventually you're a liar. You steal, you eventually become a thief. And at a certain point, can you really just say, yeah, they're just, they're a team that turns the ball over or not, but they're not a sloppy, mistake-prone team. Mm. And I think that's at least worth considering. It's kind of funny. I, I tweeted something along those lines, although not quoting C.S. Lewis nor Seth's dad or anything quite as eloquent during the game. You, just talking about the turnovers like that, that really has been the thing, you know, child protection services, ball protection services for the Chiefs, maybe <laughs> like you, you can look at all of these numbers. And there was some more going around today. There are some that Seth has embedded in, in his aforementioned article that, that came out earlier today. Where you can look at these at these stat lines and go, wait a second, look at look at these metrics and see, holy bleep, the Chiefs' offense uh, by one metric that Ben Baldwin tweeted out, I couldn't even tell you what it was off the top of my head right now, is literally the best in the history of football, I guess, or since like 1999 or something. It's like, wow, they have been incredibly effective at continuing to convert first downs or score touchdowns. The issue is that they don't punt; they just turn the ball over. And, and obviously the defense has been disastrous there as well. But I mean, to that point, Nate, I, I do think that this is absolutely a fair point in the season to say, hey, this team gives the ball away at an unbelievable clip and does not force turnovers very often. Now, we've seen a couple of, you know, athletic interceptions by front seven defenders over these last couple of weeks. Not in exactly traditional ways, repeatable ways maybe, and also certainly once the game was largely out of hand. Still counts for something, but I mean, that is who they are at this point, right? Yeah. Um, As I wrote The Athletic yesterday, they scored as many points as they had turnovers. Mm. Uh, In my four years covering this team, I've never written that sentence before. Mm -mm. Um. And so sometimes, and this was funny because I was having a conversation with Holly about it, but like sometimes you want to set a scene or sometimes you want to give a grander perspective before you zero in on like why the game matters, why this outcome is a pivotal point in the season. And then sometimes you just got to get to it. Mm. They had as many points as turnovers. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be anybody playing this way. Um, they are at a crisis point in the season. And what I sort of ended my story with is the most logical question, uh, that I think everyone had to ask, uh, our listeners, us, uh, and every member of the chiefs organization is this team, a playoff team. We are seven weeks into this. They are three and four, and they have yet, in my opinion, to put together 
60 minutes of quality football. Mm-hmm. So are they a playoff team? Right now, the answer is no. You can place faith in Andy Reid, and that is completely logical. And it's what Chiefs fans should do because they've never had a horrid season with Andy Reid as their head coach since he joined the team in 2013. Uh, Obviously, we've never seen Patrick Mahomes have a season quite like this. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo, I believe, is still a very good defensive coordinator. Contrary to what most Chiefs fans may think right now. And in fairness, contrary to what the defense has shown this year, you know? I mean, it's deeper than that. but Yes. So... The answer is no right now. And then the math equation starts to come where you say, okay, it's it's there's 10 games left. They probably need to go 7-3. and three, And you probably need to win four out of the next five divisional games? Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, this is going to be a long, long week. But... To your point, Josh, I I just think this team is this team is struggling in a manner that is really interesting um, because we could not have projected such when the season began. But you can't talk it away anymore. I know Patrick Mahomes mentioned it yesterday. The season is not young. Yeah, there's there's still not a long season left. It's just it is what it is. They are not a good football team right now, and they have to. They have to acknowledge that and really, really work hard um, to try to have a winning record in these next 10 games. And it starts, weirdly enough, on Monday Night Football against a team that they should beat. But didn't we just say that about the Tennessee Titans? Well, what's interesting is, I mean, even if they, let's say they beat the Giants. Let's say they beat them badly. I don't think that's going to really restore anyone's confidence. Nor should it. I mean, I mean that's. I mean that's you know so that game was forward. five to three. Giants. Giants. Panthers was five to three at like halftime. They should beat the Giants even in this state. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they should. They should. They should beat them. Now if they don't, that would be kind of funny. Honestly, like I, I've reached a point. Like so, I, I watched the game Sunday with my wife as i often do although she usually kind of gets out of watching the games with me but my older sister sarah uh and my parents were also there that's why i'm quoting my dad today a couple times you know you spend a little time amongst wisdom you start quoting things and stuff i was laughing maniacally by the time mahomes turned it over by that fumble i laughed like hysterically and i know i scared them like they were they were concerned about my well being at that point, <laughs> and I was just like, I just knew this was going to happen because it really was one of those games where everything was going wrong. And I'm really interested in digging into the film in the coverages because people are making it say, "Oh no, they're just playing a lot of cover two. But it's not like it's just a lot of cover two zone. No, no. Can can I tell you uh, that in rewatching the game today, the strip sack fumble to end the first drive for the Chiefs on offense. Mm-hmm. It's too high, man, and nobody's open. Now, yeah. did Orlando Brown get cooked? We'll get to him later. But <laughs> um, 
there's there's no, really, that's why Mahomes clutched it. No one yes, was open. Nobody was open. Like maybe like there's a little bit of McCole Hardman, but he's on the far side of the field and and like the deep safety is shading his direction for obvious reasons. Um, but no one else was open. So it was it was a combination of two high man, two high zone, a little bit of double coverage. Um, but this goes to coaching, right, Seth? I mean, I mean, they, I mean, this is a month now of teams telling you what they're gonna do. Right. Well, and it, it's there's a lot to this. Um, they're not getting the same vertical shots that they have made their living on the last few years. And teams are going to play single high forever. It's you, you wonder or play play cover too two high forever. Yeah. Yep, right. too high, um, which is different from cover two. So you're right to call it too high. Um, it, it's it's one of those things where no matter what you say to coaches when they talk about like beating too high and what you can do, what coaches always come back to is you you just basically have to punish teams with the run until they come out of it. And teams aren't going to come out of it against the Chiefs. And this is going to be one of those things. I I just, I feel like at the end of the year, my mentions are going to be filled with, hey, remember when you said the run game doesn't matter? I'm going to say, look, look, it matters sometimes. And the funny thing is, now that they seem to run the ball really, really well, they're not doing the one thing, like the one situation. They only do it on second and 10. That's when they yeah, ask. they only do it on second and 10. And only with like draws. You know yeah, what I mean? It's like, it's wait weird. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like if you see teams doing this to you. And then obviously, you know, Clyde being out matters because, I mean, I like Darrell Williams. He, he played really well against the Washington football team. Didn't really get a chance to get going much against the Titans. Five but, carries. But honestly... Yeah, didn't get any chance, really. But honestly, I mean, you see what they're doing. Even when you're down 14, you know you're a quick strike offense. You know what they're doing. And just punish them for it for a bit. And I think what you saw with the Titans game, this offensive line is built differently than it has been in previous years. Orlando Brown is, I think, an equivalent player to Eric Fisher, but he's a different kind of player. And obviously, Mike Remmers isn't Mitch Schwartz, right? And and they're seeing that, and the problem is with that with that different type of player that Brown is, and this is where it becomes important. If teams know you're passing, I mean they know it, and they also know you're going to drop to ten or eleven yards, which that that's more of an issue than people think. There's a reason Mahomes talks about it. Like he's not lying when he says he's got to do some things better, especially with Brown as one of the guys, right? Or Remmers as one of the guys. Eventually, you got to start breaking some tendencies and seeing if you can get teams because what you're doing isn't working you know what i mean unless like mahomes goes full fire breathing dragon like he did against washington and can you really count on that constantly and that's where one thing that i when i went back and watched the film and i know we're going a ways here because we got a big things to look at but when you go back and watch them kind of just going bananas on washington one thing that's interesting and god i cannot believe i'm saying this because i've been arguing for years about this when they were running the ball well against Washington boy does third and two go a lot better than third and 10 and I don't know if they have another answer outside of the one thing that I've been saying for years is like only specific situations only specific situations but 
This I is think, a, a team that never, ever, ever blitzing a quarterback and then exclusively playing the type of, of two yes. safeties back defense is a pretty specific circumstance in fairness Exactly, here. They're never blitzing. Linebackers are backpedaling at the snap almost constantly. And it's kind of one of those things where that's why when they just chose to power against power against the Eagles, power against the football team, and they, they just said goodbye to this inside-outside zone stuff, these stretch runs. And they said, you know what? You are leaving defensive tackles alone to be double teamed by Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, and they're going to destroy them. And it doesn't matter who it is, barring like there's a couple guys in the league, right? But barring that, and and so they just run right ahead and five-yard gain, four-yard gain, six-yard gain. They can actually be the team that accomplishes that ideal type of drive. You know what I mean, right? Normally, you can't just guarantee yourself five or six yards a pop. But they can do that, and they're not. And it's just one of those things where it's you, you eventually have to adapt. And you make a really good point, Josh. That's one of those unique situations. You have teams that are never blitzing, and they're always playing two high safeties. Mm-hmm. you you got to eventually do something, especially because Tyreek Hill isn't healthy. And Travis Kelsey can only do so much. Neither, neither of them are healthy. Both of them are out there catching passes from Chad Henney, though. So, you that's know, true. If, we, if we want to spread the... Frustration on that one. Someone yeah. can explain yeah. that to me. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of there's a lot to be questioned in terms of decision making right now, which is always a tough place to be when you're talking about someone who's done as much as Andy Reid. Um, that, but that's another thing to throw out there. But to circle back to the initial point, even if they beat the Giants, does anyone in here think that I'm going to the Chiefs Packers game? I'm going to watch Aaron Rodgers set the touchdown record. <laughs> like I. I, I I have nothing to tell me that that won't happen. And I'm just like, man, Green Bay fans travel well. I'm going to be watching. I'm just prepared for a horror show. Because a a schedule that didn't look that bad at the beginning of the season, Mm -hmm. now that, like, the Raiders are playing real well, Mm-hmm. Well, the so Cowboys. I, oh my gosh, I'm afraid with the Cowboys. Let, let me do. Let me. Let me help us do uh, something really important for us to do, which is uh, sports talk radio. That's a win. That's a loss. Radio. <laughs> oh yes. It is what the medium was founded on, and I saw an opening earlier, and now we're back here again. I thought, you know what? I was gonna let it go. Now, now we're back because earlier Nate said they probably need to go about seven and three. You got to keep in mind there's the extra wild card spot, and if they're able to take two from from the Raiders, then maybe. Uh, nine and eight gets it done, and holy smokes, I just did not think this team was going to lose seven or eight football games this year. But at three and four right now, just just tally for me. You, you give me your results at the end. Just I want you to tell me how many of these games you think that they are more likely than not to lose, okay? Mm-hmm. Just track those for me. Count on your fingers. We won't go past 10. And uh, and then at the end, I want to, I want to share our results here. And, so. and remember, ladies and gentlemen, I am an optimist at heart. Yeah, Seth and Nate are both optimists, and I think that Patrick Mahomes is good, which is about as close as I can get to being. I'm kind of a Chiefs optimist. I said on TV last week that I thought second half Washington, uh, the second half of the Washington game was more uh, of what the Chiefs really are than even the first half was, and I was a big, wrong, uh, big dumb, wrong idiot. So uh, play along at home here, friends. Let's just count on your fingers how many of these games you think the Chiefs lose uh, versus the Giants versus the Packers. At the Raiders versus the Cowboys versus the Broncos versus the Raiders at the Chargers versus the Steelers at the Bengals who just destroyed the Ravens. Just I add parenthetically and then at the Broncos. <laughs> I'll tell you where I'm at first here because I'm going to give you my logic really quick. Sure. 
I am giving them both wins over the Raiders Ooh. and both wins over the Broncos. Mm-hmm. I'm counting a win over the Steelers, mm-hmm. and I still got to four. Yeah. I. Where did you guys end up? This, again, weird to say. We're going to get to the to the matchup on Monday night, obviously, later this week. But this is this is it. The season's on the brink against the New York Giants on Monday night football. Like, I just, I can't believe that I, I'm saying that. But the season is on the brink, ladies and gentlemen, because you and I both know that arrowhead is not going to be the same arrowhead that was on September 12th when the Cleveland Browns rolled into town. And everybody thought, ah, another year of destroying every AFC contender. Now, two months later, less than two months on a calendar, you will walk into Arrowhead on Monday, November 1st, and be as tense as you physically can be. Almost like back in the day before Patrick Mahomes was on your team. So, in my opinion, they have to win against like it is it is legitimately a must win because of this exercise, Jazz. Yes. Yes. They have to beat the Giants. I'm gonna give them I'm gonna give them both wins against the Raiders, just for giggles. And I'm mm-hmm. gonna have I'm gonna have them losing to the Chargers because yep. from a schedule from a schedule standpoint, they play the they play the Raiders at home on December twelfth, and then four day later, four days later, they have to face Justin Herbert. Um that is a tough ask. Uh, now weirdly enough, you kind of hope Cincinnati's like already secured its playoff spot by yeah, January second. Yeah, <laughs> and again, I'm an optimist, so I'm gonna say they 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 have to go six and four with both with like again four out of the five wins against the division, whether that's two against the Raiders, two against the Broncos, and let the Chargers kind of be what it is, or they have to go seven and three. And if you go seven and three, hello, ladies and gentlemen, they have to go on a winning streak, which means they would have to win, in my opinion, Las Vegas, Dallas, coming out of the bye and beating the Raiders and then beating uh, beating the Broncos and then beating the Raiders. Like they have to have a four game streak. And I would say right now, Raiders, Cowboys, bye week, Broncos, Raiders. Go ahead, Seth. Um, I think their best chance at that four game win streak would be Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, Steelers. Coming out of the bye. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think that's their best shot. Um, it's really hard to see the team that we just watched beating the Packers or the Cowboys or the Chargers or the Raiders. I mean, or the, again, I don't know how much Bengals football you've watched this year, but I've I, watched some. I know that we. I know that we all think that there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors just because they're the Bengals and the Bengals aren't allowed to be good. <laughs> they put up 41 on the on the Ravens and yeah. Baltimore couldn't score. That game was 41 to 17. Don't yeah that in Baltimore no less. Give Joe Burrow yeah. some credit. Yeah. No, no, no. I like Joe Burrow and he's exactly the type of quarterback that I think could really give them problems. Jamar I, Chase I went for 201 yards against an a, an NFL secondary against Baltimore. And so Jamar Chase scares me. I, here, here's one thing with the Bengals. It was, you know, like, what, four weeks ago that people were putting them in a body bag. And so I'm just kind of holding out to see how that goes. Yeah, that's that, a, we have a long time. Yeah, it's, like, it's a, yeah, it's a long time. That's a relatively a young team. Um, you know, co- but they're coaching well. 
And I can't say that about the Chiefs coaching staff. No, no. The Chiefs, the Chiefs have had multiple games now where they have shown up and been, in my opinion, thoroughly out-prepared for. Um, I would say the ones where it's most obvious is obviously the Titans game and the Bills game, right? But the Browns game, low-key, that was a game like that too. Um, that they won due to some luck, um, Mahomes being great, and a few great plays from some other guys. Um, there's just been a few times that that's happened where they've just shown up and just been thoroughly outclassed on the game plan side of things. And that that's concerning because there's a lot of well-coached teams down the stretch here. So do I see seven wins here? I don't right now. I could see them sneaking into the playoffs with, with six wins during that stretch. And there'll be a team people won't want to play in the playoffs. But this whole like teams bringing their best to beat the Chiefs, you know, they're like three more bad losses away from that ending. Like they're still, it's not like, I mean, the Giants probably don't really care, but man, you think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers aren't like, man, we're going to beat down the Chiefs and show everyone who we are. Because it still means something to beat down the Chiefs. Well, I think I think it means more if you're an AFC contender. Um, and this goes to the point of Tennessee getting its revenge, Buffalo getting its revenge. Oh, gosh. The Baltimore did. Baltimore, Everyone's gotten their revenge yeah. this year. It's been such so, a bummer. Right. And so, it'll, it'll again, it'll be fascinating to know how much does New York want to play particularly well because quietly – uh, and this is why it's going to be a really, really hard week for the Chiefs. They've got to change some of their schemes. Um, I would actually tell them to pare down the playbook, like stop expanding it on offense, like actually truncate it, and mm-hmm. use the Josh Gordon place just just to see. Well, that's, just for fun. That's been interesting because, like you said, I mean they're having a problem with dudes getting open mm-hmm. and. You gotta, I mean, if what you need is a guy you can trust to maybe win some one-on-ones, Gordon's a guy who can do that in theory. In theory. Now, maybe maybe the deeper they're getting into practice, the more they're like, hey, this dude's legs are gone or whatever, right? Um, but, the, but, but, that, but I was just going to say real quick, Seth, they're going to face a team in New York that realizes as a calendar turns to November, we're not playing for wins anymore. We're, we're playing for jobs. Mm-hmm. Like... Joe Judge, where is he at? Like, it'd be nice if you got a what would be perceived as again a big time win in a spotlight game on Monday night on the road. It'd be nice, but the mm-hmm. the Giants will have different motivating factors than the Chiefs will, um, and so that'll be slightly different than these previous games, as we mentioned before, where AFC teams have made it a point to chase the Chiefs down, and now they've actually chased and ran past them at least through seven weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. The Packers are also going to be coming off of a Thursday night game the week prior, so they're actually going to get a little extra rest in there. Yeah, and probably no Devontae Adams this week, so he's probably going to come back with a full week off. Yeah, mini buy. Yep, exactly. They, they, It's not too late. But, man, boy, did they – this the way this season has gone in some ways reminds me of the way the games have gone because – Although it started off well, so I don't know. Um, but they've had a couple times where they've had an opportunity to 
kind of sees the AFC, you know, sees the season. And I mean, even even if you want to talk about early in the year, right? They had a chance to go up. They they should have beaten the Ravens. That still stings. And that's where those early September losses, right? We're like, ah, you know, long season. Well, it matters now when you're three and four yep. instead of four and three. And so they they had multiple opportunities to beat the Ravens. They had multiple opportunities to beat the Chargers. And I would call that having multiple opportunities to seize the reins in the AFC. Because there isn't any one great team in the AFC this year. Everyone's beating everyone up right now. Right? I mean, this is like, this is the year that like a 12-win team very well might be the number one seed. As opposed to some previous years where it's like, dude, you better win 13, 14 games. And so they had that chance there. And they, they just they just kind of blew it. Um, they, they, they had a chance after the, the win against the Eagles, kind of like, okay, the offense is back on track, blah, blah, blah. You know, let's, let's get back in the driver's seat against the Bills. Nope. And then after they beat Washington, the rest of the football weekend goes as well as it possibly can for the Chiefs in most ways. Everyone they needed to lose for the most part lost to the point where like a four and three record would have had them right in the thick of things. And especially against the Titans, who are one of those teams in the thick of things. And instead, they lost another tiebreaker to another playoff hopeful. I mean, that's 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 one of the things here when you talk about like wild card stuff. They are holding L's against four different teams that even if they don't win their divisions, they're going to be in the playoff hunt. And and this and this is why winning four of the next five division games left is is of most importance. Yeah, you basically you really need to win your division. Mm hmm. Um, so you need to beat the Chargers. You need to hope the Chargers stumble. Or you just go on like a tear. And they're capable of it, but I don't know if they're capable of it, if you know what I'm saying. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, Josh, if they want to go on a run, kind of need to stop somebody, right? So <laughs> I this is what I wanted to do for this the, this second half of the show here. I appreciate the, the setup, Nate. I'd like to do some macro and some micro stuff, uh, starting with, with the micro of some things that you guys saw against the Titans. Obviously, Nate, you're there, you know, seeing it all from above. Um, and then Seth, you've already written about it a little bit. You'll have more film reviews coming out the rest of the week of the Chief of the North newsletter as well. Um, I know, Nate, you're setting us up to go defense. I do think it's interesting that both of you guys mentioned something that I was going to ask about that we don't have to spend any more time on because I think you guys already said it. Um, the offensive line had its worst game of this season. Patrick Mahomes, you know, maybe his worst game, period, uh, mm-hmm. with the Bills game feeling like the closest comparison in his professional career. It was only two weeks ago. That's not great. But also, one of the things I was curious about is, you know, looking at the offensive line losing to four-man rushes is part of that because no one's getting open, and you guys both seem to have indicated that likely is the case. So we can, I think we've done a pretty good job of, of talking about a lot of the things offensively. On the defensive side, it did feel like this game was over at halftime, despite the fact that they did not give up any points in the second half or the second consecutive week. Last week, it was to give them room for a comeback. This week, it just sort of happened, and I don't think anyone is really reading into that too much. Um, what, Where are they at defensively right now, Nate? And, and what do you do whenever a game is over at halftime? Yeah, so you're a professional, but like I try to tell people, you don't work individually. And football is not an individual sport. You're not playing golf. You're not playing tennis. Um you need the support of others. You need to do your job. Uh, As the Chiefs defense will say a lot of times, um, I need to do my 111th or my 111th and plus to sort of help whatever's going on with my teammate. Um, In re-watching the game, because it happened real fast, and from an emotional standpoint, I can kind of see psychologically Look, if the board meeting's going poorly five minutes in, sometimes you just can't get that board meeting right. <laughs> like if if you're up there with a the, with the, with a PowerPoint slide behind you, you're yes, doing a presentation, yes. and you say and you say the f word, you say a naughty word in the first seven seconds by accident, it's gonna be hard to get that room back. Look, if look, I mean, oftentimes. I just try to translate football, which we all love and enjoy, to everyday life. Look, if you go to the grocery store and the groceries stink, what other options do you have? And so all I'm trying to suggest here is that from a defensive standpoint, there are two plays in rewatching the game that just that just stick out in such a way that is both player-related and is coaching-related, in my opinion. The first one is, look, 
The first drive, because a team has worked on it, I kind of give the defense, eh, just holding the three. Holding them to three is a success. Because the the other the offense has actually been working on those plays all week. They should actually matriculate the ball. So the Titans do that. That's fine. It's third and five in the red zone. You have successfully stopped Derrick Henry twice. And then Frank Clark goes off sides. Ooh, ooh, Nate, can I Nate, can I make my joke? Sure. Frank Clark, we're at number fifty-five. More like D, harder to afford. Because it's just more no. D4, but more expensive. You mm-hmm. guys get it? Mm-hmm. Did you guys? Oh, I can I do it again. It. Did, oh, I got did it. Zoom, sorry, did the Zoom cut out? Because <laughs> <laughs> I said D, harder to afford. Maybe you guys saw when I tweeted it yesterday and you like you hurt yourself so bad whenever your gut busted because you laugh so hard. <laughs> Maybe you're afraid to laugh that hard again. I understand. Sorry, you can continue, Nate. That's the it's whole- because he's more expensive and they wear the same number and yes. D Ford also had that very important, you know, neutral zone and a little offside penalty mm-hmm. back there. I just wasn't sure if you forgot. It just no, didn't seem no, like you guys no, laughed no, how, could I, how, how could I? How could our audience? Okay, I, just, I, just, I just thought that maybe you guys would have laughed harder if you did understand. That's <laughs> you fine. I can explain it to you guys after the show. <laughs> well, that's the, no, those moments. That's that was the first one. That's that's where yes, yeah. that's the first one. And it's a the whole drive. All we're not supposed to do is give up a touchdown. If it's 3 nothing psychologically, that's a win. Um, and I think every, by and large, defense, especially when you're not, like, above, like, top 10, which the Chiefs defense isn't, like, okay, that team has scripted those plays, and then it gets them to being, okay, not only do they get the first down, because it was third and inches instead of third and five and a half, basically, mm-hmm. based on the penalty, now they get to do something mentally to you. And this kids is where the board meeting goes wrong. Mm. They motion out Tannehill and all of a sudden Derrick Henry's throwing touchdowns on you. And so now they just undressed you in front of everybody. But hey, it happens. It's the first drive. The second drive is more egregious. And it's so bad. And would you like for me to tell you, fellas, the moment where the game was lost, in my opinion, because oh, I'd of, love to because know. of the ripple effect it causes on everybody from the coaching staff to the players and more specifically to Patrick Mahomes, who acknowledged something he had not acknowledged all year. Mm-hmm. All right, kids, the Chiefs do an OK job. All right. No one's open. Sure. It was a strip sack. But hey, shout out to Trey Smith. He fell on the ball. We get to actually punt, which is alluding to what Josh mentioned earlier. Hey, they don't. Hey, if you're if you if you're gonna get stopped, at least punt the ball. At least transfer some territory, <coughs> guys. They the the Titans started the drive at the three yard line. The three. Hey, first down. Good good tackle, Legere Sneed. Second down. Oh, I can see four or five guys flying to the football. They mm-hmm. it appears from a defensive standpoint. Really worked well, and this goes to the coaching staff to some degree on filling gaps. Hey, we gonna, yeah. we gonna everybody's gonna get to a gap, and it's and if he runs in your gap, just be competent. And hey, for two plays, they did that. <laughs> it's third and nine from the three. Oh gosh! And there's oh. only one play you can now. Some teams will say, hey, most you know, if we are being conservative, we would hand the ball off. Knowing we're going to, again, transfer territory back to you. We're already up 7 nothing. We don't need to really force it. Some teams may be aggressive in that moment and say, hey, let's take a deep shot. Because even if we don't complete it or it's intercepted, it in essence is a punt. 
So, okay, that's your most aggressive option is throwing the ball deep. The most common option is a screen pass. Is, hey, we're going to transfer. Hey, hey, we're we're letting you know we are punting. But, hey, we're just going to give the ball to the running back, going to put him out in space, and, hey, all you got to do is make a tackle, baby. And then we're going to, again, transfer the ball in the territory back to you. Um, as I roll through the clip, boys, and I get, I, I would tell every Chiefs fan to watch this play. It's with 435 left in the first quarter. And this is where the groceries are all effed up. Okay? Because I got to the grocery store. I got to feed my family. I got so much time in my day. And where's the produce? Where where are the defenders trying to tackle this man on a screenplay? That was uh, um, abysmal. Also, I, just I, just real quick, you said throw to the running back, and I just want people to know that it wasn't Derrick Henry or anything. It's no! somebody named McNichols, and I forgot his first name already. And I watched this game yesterday. I um the screens like Jeremy Nichols. Being Mick being Mick Nichols. Mick Nichols. Like McRibs. Being <laughs> It was being his an, one reception on the day, his one target, Jeremy McNichols. And it changed the entire complexion of the game. Because again, that's the only offensive play they could do from the three yard line. With was, limited exposing themselves to a turnover. We're not gonna take a safety. We're just gonna try to get a little bit more yards for our punter to transfer the possession and the territory to the other team with a 7-0 lead already. We've kind of done our job, okay? Like From their own four-yard line on Jeremy's only touch of the day. And he wasn't touched until he had already gained the yards to gain. He had already gotten the three yards. He already gotten the nine yards. So, again, if you're, like, humanistically, boys, if you're Patrick Mahomes... It's okay to feel the way you feel. It's okay to feel like, well, now I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta. I gotta go to like Super Saiyan mode instead of playing up to that level. And as I asked Nick Bolton, and God bless him, he's a rookie. This is who they give us, ladies and gentlemen. I may get to that later in the podcast. I can get to it real quick. The Chiefs said, here's Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Byron Pringle, and Nick Bolton. Good luck. Good luck. Here's your leaders. Here are your team leaders. Byron Pringle and Nick Bolton. Byron Pringle had a great catch, and Nick Bolton's good at stopping the run. I didn't say good at everything, but he's good at stopping the run, gosh darn it. Go talk to the rookie. And Byron Pringle. God God bless Our season is over. Here's Nick Bolton and Byron Pringle. God bless Nick Bolton. But I asked him, I was like... Tyron Matthew clearly has time to talk to people. He just doesn't choose the right people to talk to. Or in front of them, but that's neither or, here. Or who he's in front of. Yeah, that's right. That's neither here nor there. But I asked Nick Bolton, what's what's most deflating when your offense kind of did an okay job? Like, hey, didn't score points, but they moved it to midfield. Your punter, Tommy Townsend, how many times have we mentioned his name, did his job. Marcus Kemp did his job. And then y'all gave up 97 yards. And by the way, Derrick Henry was not a factor at any point in that drive. Like, A.J. Brown torched him twice. And as I wrote in my story, okay, I see the blitz. Um, Ryan Tannehill sees the blitz. Any knowledgeable football fan observer. I'm sure Seth saw it on TV. Here comes the blitz. It's third down. 
why is, and this is less about Mike Hughes, but again, this is the groceries. Why is Mike Hughes on their best receiver in a one-on-one situation? That right there is a chef having some spoiled vegetables to cook with, and then also just to, like still deciding to just serve it raw. You know, and, that, like, well, this and, that's, was... the, and that's the coaching staff. The coaching right. staff selected that fruit or that that's produce, right. that whatever, and served it. Like it, it, it was. Hey, here, here, you've got a bag of frozen spinach to work with, okay? And he's like, hey, all right, cool. I'm just gonna put it on a plate. Like, well, I. I mean, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a five-star Michelin ingredient there, but it's also not how I would have served it. I like this food metaphor. Really, uh, yeah, no, it's, collision it's a good my metaphor. Favorite worlds. I, the, um, the, the, the screen thing has me just, um, very upset. <laughs> I'm sorry, it, it's, Seth. I'm sorry. It's just so, it's just so bad. And it happened later in the game, too. Yes, uh-huh. Because they, they had a couple of opportunities to maybe figure something out. Now, was it helpful that the offense just couldn't do anything all day? Of course not. They had some chances, but like the, it might seem weird to talk about the defense more than the offense after a game in which they put up three points. However, we've had six games of them putting points on the board and moving the ball extremely well. Um, we'll get to the turnovers thing, which we already kind of talked about. Like, you are what you do. Like, yep. It's like, oh, wow, you know, as soon as they clear that up, who's to say they will? Yep. I mean, turnovers tend to even out over time. But you know what time means? Years. Mm. (laughs) And they don't have years. They got a little over half a football season left. Kyle Shanahan thinks he might all be dead tomorrow. (laughs) And so the, 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 the reality is the defense has been very problematic all year, while the offense has been problematic at points, but generally very good. So I mean I'm I'm thinking the offense will get back on board. I that that I think. Though honestly, even as we sit here and talk, I'm watching well, we'll get to the offense because I have a take that you guys might want to whatever, we'll we'll chat about. But the the defense just fails at just basic fundamental stuff. And covering screens is just it's driving me crazy. Like these are they, they, these are just the most basic fundamental things. It's like protecting the perimeter against the Eagles. It's like snap, sideline throw, 10 yards. Just <laughs> over and over again. And it just, I really felt like they went into that game against the Titans with a we got to stop Derrick Henry at all costs kind of attitude. And that's exactly what the Titans thrive on is teams loading up to stop Derrick Henry because he's a really good player. But then, you know what the bigger problem is than Derrick Henry? Like 20-yard gains or 30-yard gains. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. That's what what killed the Chiefs early. And it was killing me because I I just like – the announcers are sitting there talking about Derrick Henry and as as all of their best plays are not Derrick Henry. It's like this out, is what the out, Titans outside do. of the touchdown pass. Derrick yeah. Henry, by far, Derrick Henry's most impactful play of that game was a pass that he threw. Yes, 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 yes. And that's just I. I mean, don't it's tell just Charles a Davis. Weird. 
It's just a weird thing to have to worry about, but it just drives me crazy watching the, the defense just fundamentally fail to do some of those basic things. And that's where you ended up with some problems. Because we can talk about, you know, hey, the middle of the field. Have you looked at Ryan Tannehill's passing chart? Mm-hmm. We it's- can talk about Nick Bolton and coverage, which I, I feel like this is a bad week to like smear anything about Nick Bolton because at least he was in there. Like he made sure. some really good plays. And was in there every single play, maybe more than you could say from some other guys. And no, so, uh, definitely 100% more than you could say about some other guys. You don't have to yeah. protect anybody's feelings. We all and watched he, it. And he, and he made some really nice plays. He's a big yeah. part of why Henry didn't have a big game. Yes. I personally think Bolton so far is starting to do enough to where you're like, look, it's not like Hitchens is good against the pass. Mm-hmm. And so you might as well play the guy who's better against the run. You know what I mean? Like, Because yeah. pass coverage can improve. To an extent, and they can they can limit his role in that. They can they can protect him. They've been protecting Hitch for like three years. Mm. Now he's worse than mm. Hitch in coverage, but maybe that can get better. We'll see. You might as well play the guy who's better against the run because that's been a weakness. Whatever. But like that that I can live with. I can live with some good plays. I can live with nice catches. I can't live with coverage breakdowns or just failing. Like it's like oh he's running a crosser. I. Someone should pick that guy up, you know, (laughs) or or just this inability to cover screens. That's the stuff that was happening before Washington. And then you saw it improve and you were like, hey, maybe. And then it just went right back to it. I think that's one of the reasons I'm so frustrated is seeing those basic things fail again. I thought I th- I, you guys have been on a roll, and I'm also working on a Photoshop actually of something, oh, uh, something a great oh, idea you guys incredible, gave me. Incredible. So, okay, so it's well, not it's not quite everybody loves Draymond, but it's still pretty good. Um, I'll, <laughs> no. I'll you know I'll tweet that out later. So well, if you guys want, do you want to do you want to get your your offensive take off there, uh, Seth? Before because I want to well, I want to do some big picture stuff. Nate, what yes. are you thinking? Well, all I want to say is before we get to Seth's big offensive uh, note. At least Patrick Mahomes mentioned it. At least he oh, yeah. was at least he was willing to acknowledge in the seventh game of the season, look, y'all, I'm pressing because I had one series and we're down 14 nothing. Okay? Like it it's at least at least he let it off. And I hope people respect him for saying that. Because it's been theorized by just about everyone. And he's human, and it's okay to admit that because your teammates aren't playing to the level you expected, all of a sudden, instead of just throwing the check down, instead of just running for some additional yards to get to what Seth mentioned earlier, just get to a third and two somehow, some way. All right, I'm going to just try to fit one to Josh Gordon. I'm gonna just I'm gonna just keep scrambling. I'm so frustrated. I'm 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 not playing in rhythm because uh, I feel the urgency that I don't slide, so I get the ball knocked mm-hmm. out of me. Um, at least he's willing to admit it because I think there are some people within the organization, there are some players on the team who are struggling to admit the psychological difficulties they're going to have to work through as the season moves along. I think that's fair. And it's good to see him in like just saying, you know, I've got to do this. I've got to do that, which 
obviously he's going to, but not everyone would. Um, because he obviously did some really good things too, because he's Mahomes, and even in poor outings for him, he does a lot of really good things. I would just like, can I just throw something out there? Mm, when when Mahomes said I need to be better early, I don't think he was just being humble. Like I'm watching these snaps as we talk, and he left some meat on the bone here. Um, like I'll give you an easy example, and I'm I'm gonna write about this because I'm gonna do the Mahomes and kind of offense review first. Because obviously, usually I save it for the end of the week because we kind of know who Mahomes is at this point, you know, and it's kind of a fun thing for people to read on Saturdays. I'm gonna do it early this week, and so I'm looking at second and nine um, on the very first drive, and so they're down seven at this point, right? And they've moved the ball a couple times, um, you know, they've they've got a couple first downs, and. Mahomes, Mahomes drops back on second hand. This is the play before the strip sack. He drops back. Uh, the the, uh, the Titans are playing some variant of uh, this is just super great radio I'm making here while I'm while I'm staring at the coverage here. I think this might be cover. I think this might be four deep. This might be cover four. And Hill has an opening underneath the in between the linebacker and the safety over the top. Big gain, probably if, if the throw gets made, at least 15 yards. Got some room to run in the secondary, maybe a little bit, right? Mahomes instead bails right out of the pocket. And by the time you see him, you see him seeing Hill and then Kelsey's open underneath and he clutches, but he doesn't want to make the throw on the run. You know, he's trying to avoid these more dangerous throws. And, and he ends up running out of bounds. So then they end up third and eight, third and nine, strip sack next play. Mahomes kind of left some meat on the bone. And that's just one example. It's so easy to nitpick. But when he's saying, like, you know, I need to be better early, and there's a lot of other stuff going on here, right? Because Orlando Brown cannot get beaten like that. Like, like he just can't. But Mahomes shares some blame, and I'm not sure how to deal with that. Because this is before they were down 14. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And it's kind of one of those things where... If you watch his pocket movement, and that's something we've been talking about all year, and we've seen it settle down and then go back up and settle down, go back up. But if you watch him and then watch like uh, like Dak Prescott or Kyler Murray, you'll see a difference in the way they're moving in the pocket. And that's just something worth considering. Mahomes is a great, 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 great player, but that doesn't make him immune to some of the same, you know, to having some kind of issues sometimes. And it's just worth noting like that. So that's my hot take on offense that Mahomes is, was kind of, at least early as I look through this, was kind of part of the problem. And the Chiefs are not built for Mahomes to be part of the problem. Um, and Hill to be part of the problem. Like they're just not built for it. And Hill is dropping passes and Mahomes is doing some stuff. So I, I just, I'm not sure where you go from that. Where do we go from that, Nate? No, we're good. I'm just going to try to mention something very briefly here. Um, ask yourself a question, dear listener and fellas. Who's been the best player on the team this year? Because it, it hasn't been Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I guess Creed I guess Kelsey, maybe Creed. Yeah, like that's probably – is that right? Is it's, that it's – tra- it's yeah, Travis, Travis Kelsey. It's Travis Kelsey. 
Okay. As much as we talk about the turnover issue, he has not been a part of it. Yeah. He's yet to fumble this year. Uh, A pass has not gone off his hands. Uh, That has led to an interception. Uh, When I see him blocking, I still see him giving good effort. Uh, He has obviously designed, he's helped design things to get guys uh, more easier opportunities. Obviously, the Tom and Jerry play with Clyde Edwards Alaire, a couple red zone touchdowns that um, are credited to Jody Fortson, but it's because Travis Kelsey is taking away the attention, obviously, from the defense. But my point in this is Travis Kelsey can't be your best player. He just can't. He is a Hall of Fame tight end. He is the best tight end in the league. He has 45 receptions on 65 targets for 533 yards. He has four touchdowns. His yards per target are 8.2. It's excellent. But he physically can't be your best player. The the way this roster was designed was to not have Travis Kelsey be your most reliable, above average best at his position player Mm. because Chiefs fans have been through this before. His name was Tony Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. How many seasons was Tony Gonzalez clearly the best player on the Chiefs, but it doesn't fully equate to championship success or postseason success. Obviously, Tony Gonzalez never won a playoff game as a member of the Chiefs. So, for this to get better, for you to have the three and seven record moving forward, Travis Kelsey needs to maintain his excellence because he is one of the few players that is not the problem. But he also can't be your best player. And that's that's sort of the the kerfuffle that they're in. Mm-hmm. I think I think that makes a world of sense. Um man. I, that, man, I hadn't even thought about that. Like, we never even envisioned a world in which Mahomes wasn't the best player on the team. Correct. And I don't think the Chiefs did either. Correct. And why would they? Right. Right. It's it's a crazy thing to actually have to consider, in fairness. Yeah. Right. And so it, it's just, I'm not sure what specifically the answer is, though, because, like, if your answer is just, well, hey, Mahomes needs to play better, I mean, that seems like a safe bet that it'll happen. But it's definitely, it's just, it's so weird to, to view it in that light. Um, because we've seen Mahomes have his fire-breathing dragon moments, and overall he's been good this year, very good. But it's at least worth t- asking some questions about your roster. It's one thing, like, obviously if you have Patrick Mahomes, you're going to build your roster around planning on having elite quarterback play, of course. It would be weird not to. But it's at least worth noting that there's a difference between building your roster, expecting elite quarterback play, and having a situation where you can't win without it. And I feel like that's where they're at. Mm-hmm. Like, they, the, the games that they've won so far, um, Mahomes went nuclear on the Browns in the second half, right? Mm-hmm. He went nuclear on the Eagles throughout the entire game and had to because, you know, the Eagles kept scoring. Throw to the perimeter, 10 yards. You know, I mean, just over and over. And then he went nuclear against the Washington football team in the second half. Are they, I mean, you should be able to win games where Patrick Mahomes isn't easily the best player on the field. And they did that. They did that last year. They did that against Miami. 
They did that against Denver twice. <laughs> uh, they they did that several times. I mean, Buffalo, right? The first game against Buffalo in the rain, they just handed right. it. Hey, too high. They just ran the ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, they, they did that several times last year, which, again, gives you an even greater advantage because then the quarterback is playing more free. He does have the ability to sort of extend plays uh, at his discretion, not at the circumstance uh, or the defense forcing him to do it more than he's uh, than more maybe more than he should be operating in that sort of framework. So yeah, there were multiple times last year where he didn't have to be the best player on the field. He was just a really great player surrounded by other guys playing to their expectations, and that led to a multitude of wins. And that has just not occurred this season. Um, Josh. Should we end the Chris Jones experiment? Because I feel like the Chris Jones experiment probably should end. You know what, Nate? I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and let that be the thing that that leads us into Seth being able to talk about his latest piece up in the Chief in the North newsletter. Because I wanted to get a little big picture. I you know before the 58 minute mark, ideally. But here we are, right? Here we are, and, I, and we're gonna take some time here. I wanna I wanna I wanna unpack a couple things with you guys. Um, but if you haven't read, uh, obviously, Nate's post-game story and Seth's uh, piece up on the newsletter, you're only getting, you know, one form of how we're talking about and looking at this game. But, Seth, if you want to go through kind of some of the hard truths of things that you've got, I, I'd like for you to talk about whatever you want to talk about in terms of, you know, giving people the the, the first glimpse at that story, you can subscribe for 12 bucks a year. It's basically it's basically thievery. And you know what Seth said earlier? <laughs> How often can you thief before you become a thief, right? Uh, so <laughs> go steal from Seth Kaiser and become a thief. Tell me about some of the, the places you've ended up, specifically that one that Nate just mentioned, because I don't think it matters if I say Chris Jones shouldn't be outside much more or if you say it. I think it only matters if we hear Seth say it, because Seth is the Chris Jones guy, and I, and I and that has served him very, very well. It's made me more of a Chris Jones guy over the years. What do you think, Seth? I would say that the um, results are fairly obvious at this point. And Jones has had some good snaps. I, it's one of those things where because I end up pushing back so hard against one narrative that I end up supporting a position that I don't want to support, right? Mm -hmm. So the narrative I don't want to support is Chris Jones is bad at defensive end. He's mm -hmm. not. He's getting wins. Um, I don't think he's as impactful as he was at the three tech. And I don't think that's really a position that really needs to be defended because it's obvious. Because even when they were bad, on defense in 2018, right? Or bad on defense for stretches of 2020. You could still go back and find multiple plays per game that Jones made. That hasn't been as true this year. And it started off great, right? Against the Browns, they were able to match him up against a weak matchup and things looked good. And like, you know what I mean? It was like, oh, okay, yeah, moving around. Great idea. And since then, he's been more effectively taken out of the game. And I just think, once they saw, hey, we're not getting the production we thought we would get from Jaron Reed, it was time to make some decisions there. And and that's a that to me, it's I I like them moving him around. I, I think that's a good idea. But I think at a certain point you have to say to yourself, this is not working. And and at least start to fiddle around with it more and more and more. 
I now to be fair, I haven't really charted what he where he was on the inside or the outside, but he made his most disruptive plays of the game that I can remember off of three tech. And so as much as he might want to do something and as much as they might want to try it out and as great as it looked in training camp, because it looked unbelievable. Um, but if, if you're not getting the results, I mean, what are you doing? Go back to when, you know, it's like relationship advice. It's like, you know, well, things have been terrible since we blah, blah, blah. Well, why don't you stop doing that? You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's, you know, it's the guy, you know, he goes into the dock. Doc, you got to help me. I get my... I my arm, every time I, I raise my arm all the way over the head and then grab my face from there, from that angle, my arm really hurts. And the doctor says, I, I got a real simple solution. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> you know, like this is that the- uh, like that could have been the beginning of that seven minute long Norm McDonald joke. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> As I was went in, I was like, ah, oh, doc, you gotta help me. I, Doc, uh, yep, that, that's what it, yes. Doc, I've got the malaise. I, <laughs> I, it's such a classic joke. I have, I have my run son, versions of that joke on Gregory several people. Gregory Linovich. Ooh. Yeah, my son, my son, Gregory Linovich. <laughs> I hate to say this, but I no longer love him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I, I did, but I see in him the same cowardice I see in the mirror every day. <laughs> I, uh, if you I haven't heard, heard the Norm Macdonald moth joke, just Google that after the show today. It's a really good one. It's a really good one. Uh, it's one of the best jokes in history. So, but um, it, you, you are clearly doing a, that delivery in an actual analogy, in an actual much shorter joke, which I, yes. I just got nervous at the beginning because. Oh, you're like, oh Lord, Seth, what are you about to do? <laughs> Doc, Doc, you gotta help me. We're already <laughs> running long here, Seth. I can't have you doing yeah. an eight minute long I, bit. Okay, I won't. <laughs> but, uh. But yes, the 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 Chris Jones thing, it, it should be come to a to an end of sorts where you just say, I mean, because I don't really have a problem with them playing him on the edge on earlier downs. You know, people talk about run defense and stuff. I think he was part of the solution against Tennessee. A couple, go back and watch some of those Bolton stuffs, and look to see who was helping cause some chaos and eat some blocks on the edge there, because Chris Jones is not an easy dude to block, and that matters. But at the end of the day. You got to start asking yourself on some of these pass rushing downs, third downs, it's time to kick him inside because that's where he does the most damage. They've tried it out. Yep. I, and and you'd think talking to him, you'd be able to say, Chris, we've tried it out. It's not working. You want to make the Pro Bowl again. You want to make all pro. You, I mean, we, we got to move you back inside. And, then, and, and, and so I don't even mind if they, if they kept him on the edge on earlier downs, but you got to start kicking him inside and on passing downs. And Josh... This is where you have to have a nice conversation and you say, uh, do you really want to win or do you just want to look good losing? Because mm. we're losing right now. And and they don't look good either. <laughs> <laughs> so. Little white man can't jump wisdom there. Sometimes it's okay as men to acknowledge that we are, that we're awful. And it's okay. Sometimes you just got to let your ego take a hit and do what's right. And I think for the Chiefs, they are, you know, do it as respectfully as, as they've done in the past. But it's it's time to be honest with the player and probably suggest to them that in terms of winning, in terms of the lack of production, that again... Your coworker is giving. 
I mean, I don't know what to tell Chiefs fans. If you should be more upset with Frank Clark or if you should be more upset with Jaron Reed. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But well, they, they had a plan. It, it was a good plan. But, yeah. It's, it, I mean, Chris should probably... I am willing to concede. Okay? I, I put on Twitter before the game yesterday, hey, like, they want to see this. And my thought at the time was they want to see this for a couple weeks. Uh, they still they still can't get a pass rush with four. Perhaps the best way to do that is to have Chris Jones play his natural position. Because, again, Jaron Reed in seven games has had 12 tackles, six quarterback hits, and no sacks. And I, I saw he was getting some love for pressure rate, which I think is important. But I just, I'm not seeing it on film either. And maybe he's a guy who's better off as part of a complimentary role. He doesn't look as good as he did in Seattle. I don't know. But I, I think with Jones, at least you had those half dozen or so snaps per game where he just destroyed the guard and was immediately in the quarterback's face. And he's not getting those same wins on the edge. The idea there was a play was, that there was a play that somebody tweeted out. I think it was Nick Jacobs from uh, from KSHB forty one, tweeting out. He said, "Hey, look, Reed has no get off here, so this spin move that Chris Jones tries has nowhere to go because he is not getting any help from the dude beside him. Like it, 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 it is, it is a unit. True. It's a unit. It becomes a unit wide issue. Yes, and the, and yep, and you hope your leader understands that. You hope the guy that you've given a lucrative contract to is is about winning." They're not winning. Um, as as Seth said, we tried it. You gotta you gotta let your you gotta be willing to 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 just take your ego and say, okay, this is I, I just you've got to change because circumstances has has forced you to. The sooner they understand that, the sooner player or coach is willing to admit that we assume the better they'll be. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it's a great point that you mentioned Josh about, I mean, Jaron Reed has been in my four years covering this team. And this is not hyperbolic. He's been the most underwhelming player who was a free agent acquisition. It's just, it's stunning. I, I just, I just could not have envisioned this is where we are, but I think the experiment has to end seven games into the season. Um, you want to talk about, you know, taking an ego hit. I, I just realized that I think some of the first words out of my mouth in today's show is I wanted to do some micro looks and then also some big picture macro stuff. The show is already too long, and so here's what here's what I'm thinking we're going to do here. Because there's a section in, in Seth's piece that I think is really interesting from today. Nate, I have no doubt that there will be some bigger picture questions asked at pressers this week. And I have a couple of sticky notes that I'm just going to put up on my desk right now that will be here whenever we sit down to record, hopefully this upcoming Thursday, I would say. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't think we're going to need to spend that full hour on previewing the Giants because, frankly, it doesn't matter. Not that the game is un- <laughs> is unlosable. It's that if the Chiefs play any sort of good Chiefs football, they'll win by a lot. And if they play stinky, stinky Chiefs football, they might actually lose. 
But I want to talk about some of the big picture stuff because I think um, I think there are some really unfortunate questions that have to be asked and uh, some pretty some some pretty large scale issues that are going to also have a very severe impact into the years to come. Uh, if you go, here's my little hint: is if you go into over the cap and you go click on 2022, hoping to find yourself a a chance for the Chiefs to go try again to make another big free agent swing or something, I don't think you're gonna find that kind of cap flexibility over in uh, in that 2022 tab. So uh, that's where we're at. Is that I'm teasing the episode that we'll do at the end of October as we'll look at next year's salary cap. That's what that's what happens when you're three and four seven weeks in. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on a lighter note, I can uh, I can just tweet out the Photoshop that I did right now, and you guys can go review it live as sort of our sign off. Unless you've got something planned, Nate. I don't want to. I don't want to jump over anything you've got in the chamber already. No, I just got a, a little a little thing. Um, that again, if you've come this far, you understand where this show is probably going to go. But but go Excellent. ahead. Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to tag you guys both in this here. I'm going to go ahead and just put it out as a tweet. I don't have a better way of sending it to you guys. Make, yes. You know, proofreading here. Um, you all right, here we go. Tweets? Um, I do, but I, I understand that you don't. <laughs> or stories for that matter. <sighs> oh, oh, yes. There it is. Just yes. make, sure you, make sure you expand the uh, the image if it's not there. It's subtle, but it's uh, it's important. Oh, man. It's all, you know, it's topical. Very. It's topical. What it's a Halloween! It's Halloween! It's spooky season. What a what a what a what a collection of actors. <laughs> That's also. If I would have had a lot more time, I could have recast the the poster. Um, I'm not gonna tell people what it is in the podcast because you got to go. No, on please, Twitter. please. That's sort of how yeah, this works. Please that go, Jamie uh, Briscoe thing. Please, please, please enjoy this. Yeah. Oh, good lord! Have <laughs> <laughs> All I want to say to end this show is when the times were. Rainbows, as Patrick Mahomes mentioned. Mm. You heard everybody. Because we we were... Oh, thank (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Siri. Hey, Siri, fix Chiefs defense. (laughs) (laughs) Siri was like, I don't know how to do that. You want some rainbows? Um, (laughs) It would probably help all of us if, if we could... If we could just have more rainbows in our life. But look, Patrick Mahomes mentions rainbows. It was a time, ladies and gentlemen... Where there was no COVID, where there was no media restrictions, where the locker room could be a place where you would find gold at the end of the rainbow. In a year where we can't be in the locker room, in a year that has been the most turbulent in my time covering the team, I understand that fans would place their faith in me, that I would hopefully ask the right questions if given the opportunity. And so this goes back to my point about this being the longest week of the season. I don't know if we're going to talk to Chris Jones. I don't know if we're going to talk to Tyron Matthew. I don't know if we're going to talk to Frank Clark. I don't know when Tyree Hill is going to be made available <laughs> to give his perspective. But at some point, um, I want fans to realize that these guys are going through this season in much of the same way you are. It's just you haven't heard it.